0: Dominus Fobiscum, amigos, and welcome to another episode of the Heavenly Toast Podcast. Today we'll be talking about Palm Sunday. And I love the Palm Sunday liturgy. We go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows over the course of just a single Mass. It's so interesting to me to watch it unfold every year. Because the Palm Sunday Liturgy begins with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he's riding on the colt, and the people are laying out robes and cloaks and palm branches and waving palm branches over him and saying, Hosanna to the King. They're overjoyed. uh, It's just this unbelievable spectacle of joy and jubilation and rejoicing. And then very quickly the mood changes to being utterly crushingly somber. It's the change that goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. The Palm Sunday liturgy sings, it cries, it whispers, it shouts. We shift from that highest high to the lowest low, and we hear the whole passion narrative from the entry into Jerusalem all the way up and through the death on the cross of Jesus. And in this passion narrative, we have all of humanity on display. What makes me say that? For starters, we have the jubilation, that the new messianic king is coming into Jerusalem. The Jews are thinking that this is going to usher in the new kingdom, the restoration of the line of David, the vindication of the Jewish people. We have Jesus with his disciples. He institutes the Eucharist. He eats the Passover meal with them. And he, we get a little bit of an insight into Jesus' personal relationship with these disciples and who Jesus is, his own personal revelation of who he is. Shortly thereafter, we have the account of Judas betraying Jesus and the crowd coming to arrest Jesus and whisk him away, and the disciples all scatter. We have the Jewish leaders, who are desperately trying to poke a hole in Jesus' case somewhere, somehow, trying to find some charge to bring against him. And we have Pontius Pilate. Recently, it seems like there's been a lot of movements to kind of cast him in a more positive light, like he's oh, just simply some guy who's caught in the middle, who's really not that bad, but, you know, he was just s- stuck, more or less, in between, you know, competing forces, and he was really kind of, um, just didn't really have many options. But his- history tells another story. It tells him that he's not really a good guy, that he frequently used violent force to put down civil unrest, that he was not very kind to his subjects, that he uh, was not really a very good or upright leader. How how often do we find ourselves kind of in this role of Pontius Pilate, who is faced with these difficult things and not really quite sure what to do necessarily, and instead of taking a stance for what he believes and what he knows to be true— He says, I wash my hands. I'm innocent of this man's blood. You see to it yourselves. When adversity strikes, instead of really standing up for things, or instead of using the powers, talents, abilities, gifts that we've been granted, we just kind of step aside. How often is that us? Especially in today's world. For me, it's all too common. After that, we have the group of Jews who ask for Jesus to be crucified. Crucifixion is literally the most excruciating, humiliating way to execute a criminal that's ever been devised by humanity. It's unthinkable in today's world. This was not simply, you know, throw him in jail, lock him up. It wasn't assess him a fine, give him community service. It wasn't even, put him to death, give him a lethal injection. This was a punishment, a, a sentence that was horrible. Like I said, unthinkable by today's standards. And this is what they're screaming out for and calling out for it. And why? A week prior to this, they were hailing him as king as he came into Jerusalem. There was this great jubilation that is coming. But now, the court of public opinion has done a 180 over the course of a week. And why? Because Jesus didn't fit what they thought the Messiah was supposed to be. They couldn't accept the fact of what Jesus wanted to do. It's not, I mean, they came to it and... They were looking for something specific. They were expecting this warrior king, to restore Jerusalem. How often are we much the same way? That we read about Jesus or we hear about the teachings of the church and the teachings about Jesus, and we say, this isn't the Jesus that, I, that I'm that i looking for. This isn't the Jesus that I believe in. I'm looking for ultra-traditionalist Jesus. Or I'm looking for weed-smoking hippie Jesus whose all good with everything, man. I'm looking for Jesus who is social justice, Jesus, who all he cares about is, you know, donating money to charities, taxing people so that we can give better government services to people. That's the Jesus that I'm interested in. I'm interested in ultra traditional Jesus. I'm interested in this Jesus, that Jesus, the historical Jesus. The Jesus that I know wouldn't do this sort of a thing. The Jesus that I know wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, no, Jesus wouldn't send anybody to hell, but there seem to be plenty of people who are willing to send themselves there themselves. But when we look at that and we say, this is the Jesus that I'm looking for, we're kind of playing that same role as these people in the crowds saying, who is this man? Crucify him. This is not the Jesus that I'm looking for. This is not the Messiah that I'm looking for. Crucify him. After that, we have Peter who's out in the courtyard, the rock, the most favored of apostles, destined to be the leader of the apostles and to be the first pope, the rock on whom Jesus was going to build the church, who said, Even if I were to die with you, Lord, I will not deny you. I will not leave you. But things get tough. People start asking questions. And he swears, I do not know the man. And right then, the rooster crows three times. His eyes meet Jesus's. And he leaves and he weeps. We have Judas, who spent all of this time with Jesus, one of the twelve, one of his greatest and closest companions for years. But he loves things of the world. He denies him. He turns him over to the authorities for some pieces of silver. That's not the worst of it. He despairs that God can save him, that there is any mercy in God for him. He despairs, and he goes and he kills himself. Then we go to Calvary. We have the bad thief, who has no interest in justice, who says, if you have these magical powers, or if you have these godlike abilities, save yourselves and us. I have no need for justice. Use this power that you have for your own benefit and for mine. Then we have the good thief, who cares only for Jesus and his kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's the good thief. He steals paradise. It's interesting to me that as we go along, the story seems to get darker and darker and darker, all the way up to the cross. But then we see the good thief, And we see the people who do not fail. We see Mary and Mary and John, who are standing at the foot of the cross, undeniably overcome with sorrow, undeniably confused and maybe even a little bit afraid. But they don't leave him, they go all the way to the cross with him. And in all that, we have Jesus himself hanging on the cross, dying in agony. And he looks down from the cross through all ages into each human soul, into my human soul and into your soul, into your eyes. And he sees and knows everything. And he says, I know you. I love you. And I give my total self for you. This gift of me on the cross, this horrible, agonizing death, is all that you might have joy and have it in abundance. That you might live in the freedom of of the children of God. And that you might have that joy which passes all understanding, that peace which passes all understanding. That the veil of the temple might be torn in two, so that you might enter into the Holy of Holies, that you might enter into the divine life. From the cross, through all ages, into every eye, into every soul, I know you. I love you. And this is why I do all of this. This is why I came into the world. To reconcile Every human person To God That the heavenly and the earthly might meet And that you might have True divine life That's why I love the Palm Sunday Liturgy It's really Cosmic In its scope And as I said It sings It cries It whispers and it shouts. There's moments of great joy and great sorrow. And in all this, we have this moving forward into Holy Week as we prepare for Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and eventually Easter Sunday. This whole Palm Sunday liturgy encapsulates everything, the entire human experience, wherever we are, and reminds us that there is meaning behind all of this, that God desires us, loves us, and that this was all part of his plan of salvation for each one of us, that his blood, body and blood might be offered for us and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. So we take that into this holy week where our penances might become a little bit more intense and where we reflect a little bit more on this great mystery of God offering himself for each and every one of us. With that, let's make the end of Lent a great one. Stay in the state of grace. God bless, friends. Cheers.